Murphy the only one to fly as pies burned by the suns. Richmond win dustyless as dogs whimper and dust up. Measuring blue cost cats as young signets get plucky. And no fans watch for a fail as West Coast waltz into 11 in a row. Hello, my name is Alex Henry and welcome back to another episode of AFL by Dummies. I'm joined this week, as always, by the man who ran into Paddy McCartan's fist. It's Tom Creaser. Hey, how you going, Alex? Big week in football. It has been a big week <laughs> in football. I, sh- I should ask you, how is your jaw after it attacked Paddy McCartan in the fist? Uh, you know, a little bit of ice, a little bit of uh, tea tree oil. I feel like that's a miracle oil. Always gets the gets the fixes up any wounds, and we're back out next week. <laughs> I can't believe he didn't get concussed. Uh, were you happy that he got five weeks for what is a not quite a king hit, but pretty close? Yeah, very happy. Um, it would be bad if he got anything less. And I wouldn't have minded if you got anything more. I was know? firmly in the camp Thinking of more. That. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was expecting six. I, I would have liked to see at least six, if not, you know, seven or eight. That would have been my round. Yeah. For, for an action like that, nothing for it. Okay, Tom, we're going we're gonna to do our weekend wrap with a new segment in which we're going to call Big Call, Tom, back. Because if there's one thing that doesn't come around in the AFL media, it's uh, people making ambitious calls in which... They really have no stakes in whether or not they're going to be correct or not. So, Tom, <laughs> why don't you kick us off with your big call? Well, uh, my big call, I think, will be if Carlton end the season with more wins than losses, Sam Walsh will win the Brownlow. That's my big call. I've, I've heard that this week. Suddenly, um, it was on the H40 podcast, Jake Null was talking about it, that suddenly... Sam Walsh's rip roared into Brownlow potential. I, I, I don't yeah. mind it. I still think there's better candidates out there. Of course, my my horse is still on Jack McRae. I think the man's a star. But um, yeah. he's not a bad candidate, Sam Walsh. He is that in a bad team, good player stands out. Yeah, yeah. He He's at, let's put it like this, he's playing as well as Gaz in Gold Coast, right? Ooh, I, would I, say, I think that's. I, would say I don't that. think he's quite to that standard, but I, he is close. Oh. So Ga- if Gas you was get having to that 50, standard, no, no, no. Gas was having fifty in a midfield that A couldn't win a head out, and then B nobody else around him was getting twenty. Yeah, that's true. But there's no one to compete in Carlton. Like I don't think Cripps is is stealing votes from from Walsh anytime soon, and all the all all the contenders have at least one person to compete with. Uh, McRae has 10, but um, so so I'm not sure that there is anyone else who's lucky enough in that position, but Carlton do have to win a few more games this year for it to be uh, a serious chance. I'm going to use yours as a segue, Tom, because coincidentally I've also picked uh, Carlton for my big call. But before we get to mine, I'm going to quickly use use mine as an intro in. This is going to be a bit of a mess, but it'll make sense, trust me. Um, the other player who I think is going to pick votes off Sam Walsh is Harry Mackay. Now, I talked a bit about Harry Mackay last week, but my big call is that uh, Carlton need to get a new contract on the table for Sam Walsh and for Harry Mackay before they even start looking at Patrick Cripps. 
I'm sorry, but that's just where they're at right now. Harry Mackay is a much more important figurehead in this team going forward. He's their key forward for a generation. You know, that's what we're looking at here. He could be there for the next 10 years. Tom Hawkins amongst all those premierships. He's that player for them. And um, Sam Walsh is the best young player in the competition. That, that and simple. So those two need to get done before Patrick Cripps. And before they start thinking about offering Patrick Cripps in the realm of 800,000, as people have talked about, or even more, Walsh's deal needs to be done and Mackay's deal needs to be done. That's my big call. So I think in reference to yours, Tom, Mackay is the only one that will steal votes off Walsh because he kicks big bags in games they win. Um, and that's very noticeable. That's true. That's Hang true. On. That's true. And now we move on to our main story, which um, looking at it, it's about Collingwood. Really? I swear we did this like three weeks ago. What could possibly have happened that's made Collingwood worse? Oh, they lost five in a row, including Anzac Day, sustained more key injuries and can't beat a bunch of kids that have spent less time at the MCG than the Minister of Sports. Yeah, there may be a few problems at Collingwood. In the space of two weeks, any doubt about Collingwood being a bottom four side have been dispelled. Losses to a rebuilding Essendon and a travelling Gold Coast have left Collingwood in more trouble than a toddler who painted the walls with lipstick. Disparate messaging from the club has left both the fans and players unsure of the ambitions of the team. Inclusions of pensioner Chris Maine suggest Bucks still believe the team can be competing and fans continue to wonder why comedian Josh Thomas gets a game after the failed Strawny experiment. On the other hand, the Pies have fielded five players with five or less games under their belt. And, as far as I'm aware, they weren't secretly concealing any more games above, on, or around their belts either. There have been promising signs from the young players. Cheery McCreary from Donaldson's Deary has kicked a few goals, and Finlay McCrayfish is reminiscent of his star brother, Jackfish McCray. So the obvious choice seems to be to rebuild them. This will complicate the decision at the end of the uh, this will complicate the decision on what to do with coach Nathan Buckley, whose contract expires at the end of the year. This year is Buckley's 10th year in charge of Collingwood, with his lack of silverware second only to the Western Sahara ice hockey team. Buckley says he wants to coach next year, but the rebid will take several years at least. Can a man coach a team for 14 years without success? Think of what else you could do in that time. Raise a child capable of having another child finish production on Avatar 2, and finally watch The Wire. People have always recommended it, but I've never got around to watch it. And with all of these problems, they now face North Melbourne, the only side with a worse record than the B-side of a Nickelback album. North have the worst start to a season by a team since 1955, but have been better with more promising performances against Geelong and Melbourne. If Collingwood were to lose to North, it would probably break the fabric of space-time as millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. And from us, well, we see you in about three weeks after Collingwood lose their eighth game in a row to a vicious Port Adelaide side by 69 points. Oof, Tom, strong words on Collingwood there. We've been there two weeks ago. And yet we still managed to find some original content in there, I think. Um, <laughs> I can't keep losing. It's so hard to <laughs> write. I'm going to run out of jokes, Tom. I'm going to run out of jokes real quick. <laughs> Although, I, I kind of just, just side note for all the fans out there. For anyone out there that got Cheery McCreary from Donaldson's Deary, that's the best joke I have written in a decade, probably, I think. It's <laughs> very nice. Very um, nice. Did you watch their game on the weekend? 
Yes, I made time specifically to watch the entirety of Collingwood. Um, and yeah, it was it was pretty bad. You could tell because Gold Coast scored the first goal in about 15 seconds. And then from there, it just didn't look good. Every time they seemed to get a run on Collingwood, they would just do something defensively that was just inexcusable for a, a Buckley side of the last four years. Um, and then offensively, um, they look lost. They've been lost for five, five, five years now. Um, and, yeah, I think it's it's really asking a lot of questions on Bucks and what happens uh, to, for the future of Collingwood. Yeah, I think you've said it pretty well there. Um, okay, Tom, we're going to move into our first battle round of the day. Okay, you're going to go first and you're going to hit us with your piece of comedic content first, if you could call that. Oh, Ooh, the, the, the birds are coming out, folks. <laughs> this battle round is being taken seriously. <laughs> um, all right, all right. So there was a piece of footage on the weekend that I wanted to take a closer look at um, and... I think I wrote a little synopsis for a movie um, based on this footage and I want your opinion on how to improve it, who can I pitch it to. Um, All right. So it's the cold streets of inner West Sydney and a hard-nosed, unlucky fighter finds himself in a sticky situation. After being a prized college fighter, Paddy was touted to be the next Tyson or even Mayweather. He could see it his name up in lights without a scar or knockout in sight. But not everything goes to plan. Something changed when he went professional. He got caught up with it. The fame, fortune, prestige. Your guess is as good as his. He could feel it turn in his first year. His palms sweaty, vision blurry. He couldn't get his power or control back. And then it happened. Bang! He gets KO'd. He wakes up in the aftermath of his first battle. All right? He prepared, he prepared for it to be a jump up from the juniors, so he trains harder. He trains better. He trains faster. He trains stronger. His athletic gifts were almost saintly, so training harder was never needed. And the workload was intense. But he persisted. But it still wasn't a laugh. Bam! Another knockout. Bam! A third knockout. And by the time it was the seventh or eighth, we all could feel it. He was getting angry and annoyed. uh, And he could concentrate on his game. So he went back to amateurs. You know the type. Dirty arenas, old man sweat on the floor of the change rooms, and his swagger returned. The fire was back. And his next opponent, Blackie, a hard-nosed, struggling his way through the amateur ranks with the fleeting hope of returning to the pros, a distant memory more than a desire by this point. And so the battle begins. The contest was tight, a back and forth. One-two combos were glancing on both sides. The tension was so thick, the whole arena knew their careers hung in the air on a tightrope. But what felt like a sugar rush from Paddy, a sickening left-right-left hook that sent Blackie to the floor. He and his career were lights out. But for Paddy, it was the start of a new beginning. So, where's Paddy now? Well, he's in Vegas, lighting up against the Fury next week. (laughs) Oh, and they made a song about him. 
this young man, he was picked one. He was a saint sacked for a thumb with a saint sack. Paddy whacked and give the stog the ball. This young man ain't coming back home. Now another young man, he was picked too. He could have been a saint called Christian too. With a saint sack, Paddy whacked him to give the stog the ball. This young man ain't coming home. Now young man, who was picked three. He wears a helmet and is now a D. With a saint sack, Paddy whacked him to give the stog the ball. This young man ain't coming back home. <laughs> Woo! Bravo, bravo to God, <laughs> that was fantastic, uh, Tom. Yeah, I uh, I saw that I saw that on the weekend, and you know it's a story that writes itself. A tale as old as time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like yeah, this could be the next Rocky. You know, there was Creed, but you know, I think this is a little bit stronger storyline, a little bit more character development than Creed. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, Tom. I looked at this at the start of the week, and I was like. How do I do an original joke about Paddywhack? Like, it is literally the most cliche thing ever. I was like sitting at it going, nah, I can't do it. I give up. I give up. I can't do it. There's just, I can't find it. But you actually sang the song. Like, that's amazing. Absolutely brilliant. I loved it. I loved it. What a great joke. Okay, Tom, I'm going to hit you with another film parody. But um, mine is focused around a recent Oscar nominee, The Trial of the Chicago 7. But Tom... Do you know who I'm putting on trial? The AFL 7. The AFL 7, I tell you. And who are the 7? None other. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want to know. <laughs> none other than the Ruckman in the competition, Tom. We're going to make Ooh. the case for and against influential Ruckman. All right? You ready? Mm-hmm. So each of these 7 are going to, in their own way, demonstrate whether or not a Ruckman is influential in the course of their match if they play well. So we're going to start with Max Gorn. Best Ruckman in the competition, All-Australian five times, I think, um, has mm-hmm. lifted his team up to a whole new standard this season, in particular his form. If we have a look at the stats, he's above average in almost everything, apart from clearances, which has never been really his game. And contested marking, he's one of the league leaders, especially strong. So Max makes the case four. Number two I'm going to look mm-hmm. at, Tom Hickey. Tom Hickey is on his fourth club now and has been almost Sydney's best player this season. Would you disagree? No, he's he is our best player at the moment. Most influential player at the moment. The stats absolutely back up that he is influential. In the full games that he has played, Sydney, four and zip. In the games in which he has not played or hasn't finished, Sydney, zero and three. That's about as effective as a stat can get, I think. He's above average in all of the midfield stats in the game. So disposals, contested possessions, clearances, all of that. Below average in the ruck work, but that's not his job. His job is to take no. a medium side and make them better by being more competitive at the stoppage. Max can afford to get fancy. Number three, the money. Like, he is the <laughs> he is the best version of this that I can think of. Matt Flynn, debutant ruckman in his first season, has looked promising. Like, I actually think he looks all right. I think he'll be a good Ruckman in time. But he's not there yet. He's not ready. doesn't have a physical presence around the contest. Same as, same as Tom Hickey for his stats, by the way, Mummy. Above average in all the contested stats, below average mm-hmm. in all the Ruck work. And the record speaks for itself. GWS in games where Shane Mumford plays, 3-0. and zero. GWS in games where Shane Mumford doesn't play, 0-4. and four. Two completely different teams, those two teams between when they win and when they lose based on whether or not their Ruckman is playing. All right. 
Those are three clear cases for why we think that a Ruckman is influential. Let's get into a bit more of the gray area. Okay, I'm going to start with Gold Coast. Graham and Burgess are the two that have done the rucking over the last two weeks, since oh, yep. three weeks, since um, Jared Witz has gone down. And if we have a look at their stats, they're below average in just about everything, both of them. Burgess is above average in contested marks, but that's about it. Okay. And yet, Gold Coast, over the last few weeks, have played better than they have across the first start of the season when they had Jared Witz, who's not only their ruckman, but their captain as well. They're winning more contested ball. They're also winning more uncontested ball. But they're winning more contested ball and they're winning games. They look a better side. A lot of other factors going into that, but there's one for the case against. Number two, the Ruckman that Graham and Burgess went against on the weekend, Brody Grundy. You have a look at him. He's back to his best of 2019, I think. 2020, he was obviously a bit down. I think he's playing brilliant footy again. His stats around the ball are elite, but average in everything but contested marks. Surprisingly for most people, he's actually elite in hitouts to advantage. I think that shows how much Collingwood is butchering the ball around the middle. There's one in particular, I don't know if you saw the footage of from the weekend, where Grundy taps it directly down into the goey's path for him to run in and go and clear the ball, and he just drops it. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I saw I, that. I know. And- it turns into an inside 50 the other way. Yeah. And I felt yeah. so sorry for Brody Gundy in that moment. He's averaging 20 plus disposals to go on top of that. Just about doing everything he can. And yet isn't having an impact for Collingwood. They're worse this season than they were last season. And he's playing better. So there's another yeah. one in the case against. Now, we're going to get into the two I'm going to call medium ones. And you can come to your own conclusion. Number one, the night tank. Oh, sorry. Number six the name tank because we're doing seven. Um, there was an argument this week in regards to Ruckman about why not having an influential Ruckman is necessary. That If you have a look at the teams that have won premierships over the last 10 years, the only team that had a dominating Ruckman in their grand final, not over the course of the season, because obviously Nick Knapp got West Coast there to the grand final, partially. Yeah, um, I didn't play, yeah. Tom Boyd in 2016 for the Western Bulldogs was the only game where a Ruckman would absolutely dominate the game. And even then, even then, he wasn't dominating as a tap Ruckman. It was his work around the ground. No, he played as a four, pass yeah. that, that was so effective. And that was part of the reason why he played so well. So we're going to have a look at the nag tank. What are his stats like? Well, He's above average in disposals, contested possessions, and clearances. Those same. Is it is this for the league average or just as a as a ruckman? It's all it says is like in comparison to league. I believe it's in comparison to other ruckmen. It doesn't actually say, but I'm okay. guessing it is because otherwise I don't understand how like somebody like Nankervis wouldn't be in the top two percent of the population for hitouts to advantage just because how many players actually get hit-outs to advantage. Hit-outs, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, my guess it's in comparison to other Ruckman, right? The Nag Tank, above average for disposals, contested possessions, and clearances. Average for hit-outs and hit-outs to advantage, below for score involvements, right? So that shows to me that the Nag, like many Ruckman over the last 10 years, and I think this is what my conclusion is going to be when we get to it in a moment, he's doing his job well, but he doesn't need to be the best player in the field. Yeah. Number seven, and the final one I'm going to look at, is the Saints team. 
Ryder and Marshall. Mm, okay. So I look at where they've come from this season. The Saints absolutely abysmal earlier in the season. Marshall comes in, Saints beat West Coast. They then get belted by Richmond. Ryder and Marshall both come in. Um, Marshall struggles a little bit against Port Adelaide. Ryder and Marshall both come in against Hawthorne. Obviously, some of these teams stand is different than others, but they're very effective. If we look at the stats, though, to support this, Ryder doubles Hunter's hit-out numbers and Marshall doubles Hunter's disposals. So there's the difference in terms of the impact they're having on the field. <laughs> it's an extra player. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if you want the cap on top of that, in the, what is it, three games that Rowan Marshall has played now, he's taken six contested marks. Hunter took none. Mm. So there's an example of the impact that a Ruckman can have as two of them. And yet, does that fix the Saints? No. Will they be a good team as a result of it? So for me, here's my conclusion. If a Ruckman is doing their job and is benefiting their team and doing their job well, winning contested possessions isn't making sure that they're getting bullied out of the contest, then that's good enough to win you a premiership. But a bad Ruckman can hurt you. A bad Ruckman can hurt you. But in the same way, a really good Ruckman like Max Gorn and Brody Grundy is a weapon in a good team. But in terms of people who are always looking at, well, Geelong, for instance, they're the really interesting one in all of this. People look at them for the last five years and said, if we're looking at the missing pieces, why have they not become the team that, that some think they can be? Well, because they've been missing a Ruckman. I'm going to make the case today, I don't think they need a Ruckman. I think Reece Stanley's good enough when he's playing well. He doesn't need to play the best game possible, but he needs to play well and he needs not to get beaten. On the weekend, he got beaten by Tom Anthony. Simple as that. That's yeah. my takeaway. Sorry, it was a very long stat, but it's a point I've been wanting to make for a while, and I did all the research on it this week. Yeah, yeah, really, really good analysis, Alex. I just think teams need to prepare either way, um, for whether whether they have a dominant ruckman or a non-dominant ruckman. They just need to prepare, and that's what coaching is all about, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, today we've got an exciting interview at AFL by Dummies. The the new head coach of the AFL Umpires Association, Rule Stickler. Mr. Stickler, thank you for joining us. No worries. Um, so how have you felt about umpiring in 2021? I actually think overall the umpires have done pretty well. We have a new rule in the stand rule. I think they've adjusted to it well. There was a bit of early working on things. Um, in particular, there was a focus on making sure that the Call a play on came as soon as the player moved off the line. There was a few problems early on. But, you know, we're just like anyone else. We're developing our skills. And I think that's something that we've done really well and improved on. And I think the game is better for it. Yeah, yeah. And then going off those, you know, the new rules that came in this year, does it make the game harder to umpire? You know, there's been a lot of talk about you, you have to have eyes, you have to have eyes at the back of your head and look at multiple places at once. Have you felt that it's harder to umpire this year um, and the new rules are impacting it? Oh, I mean, obviously, anytime you've got new, new rules into the situation, it's going to take a little bit of time to adapt. But I, I think overall, you know, we're trained for this. We're trained. The AFL is going to throw us new challenges. And I think we've taken those taken to those challenges well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you t just talked about the training. So what is the, the, the training process for, you know, a standard AFL umpire? Um, the, well, the Ks are pretty intense, to be honest. Um, you know, the AFL umpires are looking at around about 14 to 15 kilometers a game. 
Um, in, the, in the early stages of the first game, I was speaking to uh, Brett Rosebury the other day and he was telling me that um, they covered almost 18 kilometres, I think it was, maybe just over 18 kilometres in that Carlton-Richmond game due to the speed of the tempo of the first game and everybody being really excited about over the mark. And I think he said five kilometres in the first quarter alone. So things have kind of eased up since then. But uh, AFL umpires are incredibly fit. You know, the boundary umpires as well. Even the goal umpires have to maintain in pretty good shape. Yeah, and uh, are you excited that in 2022 there might not be any uh, drastic rule changes? It seems like they've kind of found that balance of what they wanted um, in terms of increasing scoring and uh, and lowering stoppages. Are you excited that you might just have the same set of rules for 2022? Well, I could only hope, Tom. Um, we'll we'll throw... <laughs> We'll, we'll handle whatever the AFL throws at us, but, you know, anytime we get a bit more time to adjust to a rule, then that's always good. <laughs> and uh, quickly before you go, what's your favourite signal to sign? Um, I feel like that some umps, you know, <coughs> Razor, um, love signing <laughs> the classic holding the ball call. You can see it on the footage. But what's your favourite signal to sign? Um, yeah, Razor's Razor's great. Uh, there's actually a drill they do a training uh, that's named after Razor in particular. Um, I'll let you imagine what that is. Um, yeah, I've always been a big fan of the holding the ball, you know, just waiting for that extra second before making the decision just to build the tension. I think it's always been a great part of the game. Mr. Stickler, thank you for coming on the show. Of course. Thanks for having me. And cut it here. Again, uh, thank you for doing this. Uh, no worries, Tom. Um, sorry it was so quick. I just have to go to work after this, so it just needs to be a con- condensed interview, you know? All good. Uh, where do you work, by the way? Oh, I'm a landscaper. I just uh, podcast as a hobby. Oh, no way. I was actually uh, doing some DIY landscaping, and I needed it done in my backyard. Can I send you a photo, and you can tell me what I can add? Yeah, yeah, of course. So, as you can see, it's about 15 meters long, and I need some material, maybe... Some ceramic or stone or something. Wait, are you sure it's 15 meters? Just from this photo, I can definitely tell you it's probably closer to 20. No, I, I analyzed it in the air and it's uh, it's definitely less than 15 meters. I actually marked it out on the ground. What did you use to mark it out though? I mean, you know, the usual, I got a ruler and then, you know, you just do the thing where you're you make your hands a ruler length apart. And then I just counted how many rulers long it is. I don't know. Right. So you probably should have gone a professional. Yeah, I did, but I didn't pay him to mark. So uh, I, just want, I just want everyone to know that was listening to that interview, the actual, like, the, sorry, the pretend interview that happened beforehand. Um, several things that I said. Number one, I did speak to Brett Roseborough recently. <laughs> <laughs> he did say that they do cover 14 to 15 kilometres in a game. He did say that they covered five kilometres in the first quarter of the Carlton-Richmond game. And he did say that um, they covered almost 17, even 18 kilometres in that game. And... And, and, wait for it, there is a drill they do at AFL umpiring training that is called the razor. <laughs> I am not even joking in the slightest. There's your fun facts for today, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my God, is this real football channel? <laughs> <laughs>
I think that might have been told to me. Well, I don't want to say in confidence, but in like uh, person friend to friend conversation, yeah. in house yeah, conversation. Yeah. But you know, that's the advantage of joining us at AFL by Dummies. You know, you get in house conversations from around the land. <laughs> Incredible! Incredible! All right, we're going to move on to our next battle round, Tom, and you're going to kick us off again with a bit of analysis. Awesome, awesome. So I just wanted to look up the, uh, you know, which club has the best uh, attack at the moment. We all know that defence wins premierships, but we can't forget that offence does get you there um, because 12 of the last 14 highest-ranked offences at least make a prelim and 10 of those 14 were represented on grand final day. So let's just have a look and the uh, what it takes to be one of the best offenses. So the first stat that we'll look at is inside fifty efficiency, and as you can, we can clearly see in the stats, Bulldogs are the most efficient per inside fifty, with a, just a tick over fifty percent, with fifty point one. Um, which is an incredible number, um, especially for a team that didn't really have a key forward um, for the last few years and we didn't know how Bruce and Norton were going to work out this year because of the interrupted way of last year and Bruce didn't seem to handle it very well. But, you know, they are sitting pretty at 50.1. And then from there it goes West Coast at 48.6 and then Essendon, the third most efficient um, scoring shot per inside 50. Um, and at the other end, obviously, it's Kangaroos Hawthorne and then St Kilda with a scoring shot efficiency per inside 50 of 40.4. Because we use um, the ball so well, Tom. That's what we're famous for. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the next stat would be marks inside 50. Now, this is a measure of your club's ability to generate uh, uncontested shots on goal. Um, and... It does speak to, you know, having a good midfield and being able to, you know, penetrate the the defense of your opposition. Now, we can see, again, the top two are Bulldogs and West Coast. Now, interestingly, obviously, we can see there that the Bulldogs have English, Norton, Bruce, all really, really strong contested marks. I would say probably above average to elite in that category. And then second, a West Coast with the triple threat of uh, Oscar Allen, Josh Kennedy, and Darling. Um, a huge, huge uh, trio of tools. And then down the other end, well, ignore the kangaroos, but Giants, Collingwood, and Brisbane uh, with only a percentage mark inside, uh, percentage of marks inside 50 um, per inside 50 entry um, of 17.8, which speaks a lot about how high they were playing up the ground over the past few weeks. You, If you noticed, if you watch Brisbane play, mm. they really didn't like keeping uh, either um, uh, Joe Danaher or um, Hipwood um, deep into forward line. And I think they they even changed it up this year, this week, and put uh, Cameron as the deepest forward. Um, and then the last stat I wanted to show is the accuracy. So this one w- isn't really a particular um, 
test of like showing who will have the best attack, but it does inflate um, your ability to score if you can kick accurately. Now, what's interesting is that West Coast are the most accurate team. We know that on uh, they have some ridiculous stat on after stadium, but overall they have a, sh- over, uh, a sh- overall accuracy of 58% um, for sh- charted shots, um, which is ridiculous. Um, uh, and then at the bottom end, Frio and Melbourne uh, and Kangaroos, uh, but Frio and Melbourne with 42 and 44%. So the question will be, if Melbourne can become accurate, they might be unstoppable. Um, and if Frio were just a little bit more accurate, they could push for finals. Yeah, Frio's accuracy has cost them on several occasions, including the round one against Melbourne, where had they kicked straighter, they probably would have won that game. Um, yep. But at the bare minimum would have made it a lot smaller. Of a margin. Um, I think it's really interesting. I, I remember having a look at the points scored this week just over, across the entire season and was stunned to read that Essendon was in fifth across the entire league. Team that currently sits 15th on the ladder with two wins out of seven games and they're fifth for points scored. And then hearing your stat about, I think it was that one, efficiency inside 50 was the Essendon one. Yep. And I was like, ah, oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, Kyle Hooker has been excellent in that department, helping them convert chances, as has. Um, AMT, who's having another great season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, their their whole game is high pressure. Let's outscore the opposition before um, uh, and turn it really into a high scoring affair. Which is interesting because they did lose to Carlton in a game that was uh, sub a uh, hundred for both teams. Um, I'm excited for when Melbourne get accurate because if Melbourne get accurate, they will, they should be able to make a grand final with that because they if they clock above fifty percent, no team will be able to keep up with them at the moment at the way that they're tracking. Absolutely, I mean you can make a strong case. As we wrap up your stat here, Tom, I'm going to ask you the big question that's been on everyone's minds all week. If you were Melbourne, would Tom McDonald go back? Or would he stay forward and Harrison Petty comes in? He goes back. They make a grand final. He um, he make, gets he goes on Lynch in the grand final. Lynch kicks zero. They win by forty, and he gets the Norm Smith like Brian Lake, hundred percent. That's my big call. That's what I want to happen. What's not? What's going to happen is they're going to forget it. They're going to get cocky and forget about Wiedemann, and he's going to leave at the end of the year. Yeah, That's my a, call. There was an article today about. Four different clubs already circling him. Having yeah, he's kicked fourteen and four in the BFL. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, they need to make a decision quick. I'm impressed at your inability to follow a script, Tom. We clearly did your the big calls earlier in the show, and yet somehow <laughs> you've managed to bring it back now. <laughs> All right, um, I'm going to do my segment now, and Tom. I want to tell you the the motivation behind where I'm coming from beforehand. So in our very first season of AFL by Dummies, which was done by Rossi and I in my front room um, using a, a microphone that I definitely didn't steal from the school that we graduated from, um, <laughs> Rossi introduced one of his favourite players based on a particular statistic. Um, he decided that the most important statistic in the game was one percenters. 
And yeah. therefore, the best player in the game was the player with the best one percentile per game average, which was Lewis Malkin, who plays for Sydney. Um, or as we used to call it, Malkin the Pelican, Malkin for the Pelican. obvious reasons. <laughs> um, so I've, I've decided that I want my own, you know, treasured player that I can support through thick and thin because of what they do. And I'm thinking about, well, what's the most important stat in the game? Rossley was looking at it from a slightly comedic perspective. But I'm going dead serious. I reckon one of the most important stats in the game right now is just your ability to lay tackles. Um, if you can mm-hmm. lay tackles at the contest, you can stop the opponent from winning, uh, from clearing the ball when they win the ball. And so who is the number one player in the league for tackles, Tom? Uh, is it Holman from the Gold Coast? It isn't Holman from the Gold Coast, but it is one of his teammates. Ah, uh, Huey, Hugh Greenwood. It is Hugh Greenwood. So today um, I will be anointing um, by the Church of AFL by Dummies that Hugh Greenwood is our new Lord and Saviour. Tom, <laughs> don't okay. laugh. This is a really serious moment. And now... I'm on board. I'm on board. I'm on board. Ah, okay, I'm on board. good. Okay. I, 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 have, I, have, I have recently have space for a new deity, so you know, <laughs> let's bring it on. <laughs> well, I'm glad because we're now going to read a hymn about our Lord and Saviour. And now it's called... <laughs> It's called Now Doth the Sun Ascend the Sky, which I feel like is pretty relevant. Tom, stop laughing. I'm trying to read. Okay, you ready? (laughs) Soon will the morning star arise and chase the dusk away. Whatever guilt has come with night may it depart with day. Cut (laughs) off in us, almighty Hugh Greenwood, all that may lead to shame. So with pure hearts we may in bliss thine endless praise for thine tackling skills. <laughs> Father of tackling, hear our cry. Hear us, co-equal son, who reignest with the Holy Ghost <laughs> while ceaseless ages run. Now doth the sun ascend the sky and wake creation with its ray. Keep us from sin, O Hugh Greenwood, most high. Though all the actions of the day. Curb thou for us the unruly tongue. Teach us the way of how to tackle. And close our eyes against the throng of earth's absorbing vanities. Oh, may our hearts be pure within. No cherished madness vex the soul. May abstinence the flesh restrain and its rebellious pride control. So when the evening stars appear... And in the train, the darkness bring. May we, O Hugh Greenwood, with conscience clear, our praise to thy pure glory of tackling. To Hugh Greenwood, the father glory be, and to his sole begotten son, the Gold Coast sons, the same, O Holy Ghost, thee, while everlasting ages run. Amen. Amen. And thus convenes uh, the um, the first coven of the Church of <laughs> AFL by Dummies. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Praise be our Lord feel, and Savior, uh, Hugh Greenwood. Yeah, Hugh Greenwood. Praise <laughs> be. Um, I feel uh, invigorated, though. Oh, Do you? Absolutely invigorated. I feel a new man. I feel like yeah. I've been rebirthed. What is it? Uh, born again. Born again. Do you feel like you've... Yeah, you, yeah. You, you feel like you've discovered in a light... Like yeah, the sun's, yeah, yeah. Like the sun's rays are coming in, down yeah, upon yeah. you. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And blessing, you, um, blessing you with the sun that is Hugh Greenwood. Yeah, the ability to perform a chicken wing tackle. <laughs> Hopefully I get that over the next week if I pray hard enough. <laughs> it comes only in prayers. Anyway, that's my segment for this week. Um, I decided to go complete madness. That's the, that's the part <laughs> Incredible. So good. <laughs> All right, Tom. Um, look, whilst I did enjoy my moment of madness, I cannot go past your song, which was absolutely brilliant. So you're getting the point Thank this you. week. Thank you. Yes, I'll take it. I will take it. I would like to note that on any other day, my piece of analysis was first rate. Yes, definitely, definitely. Now, Tom, we must get into our tips because you know what? Oh, <laughs> you, I knew this would happen. I knew this would happen. <laughs> we picked it last week. We said it. We said, I, I said it. You're either going to be ahead of me now or you're going to lose and there's no point in doing a segment anymore. And Murphy's Law says, are you now ahead of me or uh, are you so even? By my count, um, we were negative four going into this round and then I got eight and you got four. Oh. So I believe we're now <laughs> even. <laughs> so I, I just, <laughs> I'd just like to quote Tom Morris, who got yeah, yeah, three or four, I who said on the Fox Footy podcast this week <laughs> that anyone who got more than six doesn't know anything about <laughs> footy. Well, I'd like to therefore say that I don't know anything about footy because <laughs> F you, Tom Morris, I got more than six. No, you don't know anything about footy, but you know how to work the, the stats the system. and the numbers, yeah. the system. Um, all right, so now it's back to back to all square and even. Yeah, after seven rounds, we are all square, which is which is stunning given the situation we were in last stunning, week. Stunning. I honestly thought that all of my tips were going to go wrong and I was going to get about one or two. Somehow, all of them went right, except the only one I got wrong was that uh, the Giants belted Adelaide. But everything yeah. else I tipped just turned to gold. It was strange. Um, oh, absolutely ridiculous. Okay, we're going to move into this week with a lot more pressure on you, Tom. You've got to, you've got to get them right this week. Yeah, and with Friday night, Richmond-Geelong. Oh, it's the grand final rematch. Dusty's back, but Cutchin's out. Um... And then... It seems likely have lost them back, but Grimes out with the mystery concussion. Yes, yes, I heard about that. Um, How does somebody get oh, mystery concussed, Tom? Uh, I have a theory, by the way. fell out of the sky. I think, I, I would assume something fell out of the sky, or it's something illegal and they don't want to talk about it because it's <laughs> Richmond. But I have a more simple theory, know. which is that he got concussed and then forgot. <laughs> Memory loss. <laughs> Jeez, that's a really I, brutal, brutal way to find it, out. Well, I mean, they couldn't find it on the tape. It could happen like before the game or something. As somebody that's been yeah. concussed before, you forget. Like that, that just happens. If you're knocked out, you forget. So yeah. Anyway, oh, we're getting uh, distracted. Tom, who's going to win, Richmond or Geelong? Um. I hate tipping against Richmond in these games, but I just have a inkling feeling that Geelong might win. Um, so I'm going to tip Geelong. I'm so glad you did that because that means it's an absolute freebie for me. I'm tipping Richmond, Tom. What's wrong with you? Did you watch the second half? The Western Bulldogs? No, I actually didn't. I only watched the first half. Oh, oh, no wonder. <laughs> okay, so for, for those of us that missed the second half out there, the Western Bulldogs, yeah. who at halftime on Friday night were considered the best team in the competition, then yeah. failed to get an inside 50 for the first 
I think it was 10 minutes of the third quarter. Yeah, yeah, they 10 didn't or 12 have, minutes. They didn't have a disposal in their attacking half across the first 10 minutes of the third quarter. Yeah. That was the effect <laughs> of Richmond's pressure on the rest of the <laughs> Okay, so that's fine. If you want to tip Geelong, maybe you'll, do, maybe you'll be right. Maybe you'll do what I did last week, but I'll happily tip Richmond. All right, our next game, Saturday afternoon, the Giants hosting Essendon. We're going to do another round of um, important questions next week, Tom, because I have to ask you, in more depth, you're going to give me the summarized version now. Where the hell are the Giants at? Like, are they good or not? Or I don't know. Um, no, they they changed their game plan after their, you know, three three major injuries. Um, and Lucky Whitfield, you know, comes back from a, a ridiculous liver injury and just jumps up on the park, underdone, 25, ridiculous kicking efficiency. Oh, they look like a completely different team with him there. Um, I just don't think... Essendon have the midfield to go with Giants, so I'm going to tip go Greater Western Sydney. Well, Tom, you have failed to ask the most important question here, which is, is Mummy playing? Now, I reckon he can play two games in a row, which means he's playing, which means the Giants win, because that's what the stats show us. So I'm tipping yep. the Giants as well. Um, in what is going to be an absolutely fascinating contest, two, three, and four sides, one of which will end even, and the other one's going to end three and five, go at each other on the Gold Coast as the Suns with Hugh Greenwood. Amen. Our Lord and Savior. Host the Saints. Now, as much as I believe in our new religion, I am also been a believer in the Saints for many years. The Saints, however, never failed to disappoint me. Our Lord and Savior, Hugh Greenwood. Amen. Amen. <laughs> has not once ever failed to disappoint me. So as a result of which, I will be tipping Gold Coast. Ugh. I assume Marshall and Randall will both play again. Seems likely. Injured. Yeah, I'm going to tip St. Kilda. I'm That's... calling it. Back on the Saints train. Let's go. Let's do this. Come on. Let's, they're not going to lose. Surely. They they must have loved finals last year. And if they loved finals last year, they have to win this game. Oh, yeah. I think they absolutely have to win. I think they probably will win. But I can't doubt our Lord and Saviour Hugh Greenwood. Amen. Amen. North Melbourne is hosting Collingwood to see who's the worst team in the competition. Uh, are we brave? Are we brave enough to tip North? Is, <laughs> I think, is anyone I think, here brave enough to tip North? I think one of or us. Do we, to. do we do we some sort of our Lord and Savior Hugh Greenwood, Amen um, Pact, <laughs> where we both tip North <laughs> so it doesn't count towards the score? Because no. I'll be happy with that. I'll tip no. if you. Do. No, 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 no. Because I'm, I'm not brave. I'm not brave enough to do this myself. I'm not brave enough to jump on that cliff. Okay, well, if you're not going to jump, so are you tipping Collingwood then? Are you a coward? Yeah, I'm going to tip Collingwood. Well, I, I am brave enough because Collingwood are terrible, and North Melbourne <laughs> actually looked all right. They really pushed uh, Melbourne. They were really good, and they had um, Goldstein who neutralised Gorn well. If he, he could do a similar job against Gorn, then. <laughs> No, nah, I'm tipping North, Tom. They've got to break the duck at some point. If they lose this game, we're, regret. It, we're going to have oh. to have a serious conversation about when they're going to win a game. Yeah, yeah. I don't know when they'll... But yeah, well, they um, stats say... The history says they will win one. I'm not brave enough. Am I brave? I'm not brave enough. I'm still saying Collingwood. They do have a better team and they should win. 
Maybe, the, maybe North will do what Adelaide did and lose for the first like 15 rounds and then win like four of their last five games. Yeah, no matter the opponent. <laughs> um, all right, Melbourne is hosting Sydney. You told me you were going to be there on the um, on Saturday, Tom. Your boys are playing yep. pretty well. Do you feel like they're a chance? Yeah, buddy. All, all you know, all things considered, will play. Um, we're all praying to our Lord and Savior, Hugh Greenwood. Amen. Amen. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think if Buddy plays, they don't. It re- it cancels out one of their weapons, whether that be May or Le- Lever. Um, so, hmm, I'm I'm gonna tip Sydney because I want them to win. That's why. <laughs> I I don't know. I, yeah, I'm going to tip Sydney because Melbourne looked a bit shaky. They did, they did look a bit shaky, but, you know, they, they do that. That's fine. Um, I quite liked Sydney's performance on the weekend. They were efficient, which is, as we've talked about, mm. a, a very effective way to get yourself Important to step. a win. Um, I'll be tipping Melbourne, though. I just think just about everything's going well for them at the moment. The only thing is Tomlinson's injury. Um, uh, Cosy Pickett and um, Luke Jackson are two of the two of the better young players that have come out of the competition. Obviously, uh, Melbourne because I think they're really good. Yeah, I think that's advice for every AFL team. Just finish seventeenth one year, you know, when you're vying for finals, and then get two incredible draft picks, and then you can go back up the top the year after. <laughs> that's my St Kilda strategy for this year. Just tank the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get get one or two like really good players, and then go for it next year. Yeah. All, all right, Tom. Showdown time. We didn't manage to get onto the prison bars. How did we not? It's like my favorite subject because it makes Eddie mad. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous topic. <laughs> Uniforms. <laughs> so irrelevant. Oh. It's so irrelevant. I can't believe we even talk about it, but we have to. Tom, Port Adelaide in their normal non prison bar strip, taking on an Adelaide side that's looked really bad over the last few weeks. Um, who do you think's yeah. going to Port's going to be angry. It's going to be a ugly game. Port by a lot. Yeah, they got a point to prove. I'll be tipping Port as well. Hawthorne West Coast. Now, this West Coast side, they've got to learn to travel at some point. And at the MCG v Hawthorne, surely they'll do it at this point? Yeah, that's an, shoot, that's an easy practice match to test their ability to win away from home. So I'm tipping West Coast because they'll make a point of it. Um, yeah. And we'll delay the question until they... <laughs> come up against a legitimate Melbourne team. Yeah, they'll make a point of it in the same way that the Saints made a point of proving how mediocre they are by beating up on mm. Hawthorne. No, I don't <laughs> think that would... For me, it's a must, and even then, I don't take it seriously. But I will be tipping West Coast. The Western Bulldogs will need a bit of form to bounce back as they take on a Carlton side. For the, for the first time, people looked at them and thought, okay, you're only mediocre. You're not actually bad. Yeah, it happens every year. The same thing happens. They lose what they lose convincingly the week before. They come out where they win a shootout, which hasn't happened for a while. That's that's true. Against um, a bad team. Against a but against a team that they should finish above, yes. all things considered. And um, I have a quick stat for you. They conceded yeah. more than eighty points on turnover on the weekend, Carlton. Uh, yeah, this this one might get ugly. I'm tipping Western Bulldogs. I will be tipping the Western Bulldogs as well. And to finish, we have a Brisbane team that is back with a vengeance. We warned people mm. not to write them off, and here they come. 
against the Fremantle side that just didn't quite have it. I was really disappointed in their performance on the weekend. I, yeah. I, I thought they were up to them for the first half. I thought, yeah, this is it. This is really good. Then didn't really come out with it after half time. Do you feel like they've got a sh- shot, Tom, or is this game over from before the bounce? Mm. No, I think Brisbane will, shoot, will win this one. Um, Frio have started their, at minimum, two-week road trip. They're not, gonna, not coming back home for two weeks. They'll go from Brisbane to Melbourne um, in a cruel twi- cruel and twisted fate um, where they will have to be in a, in a hub of sorts. Um, but I don't think they'll win. I think Bris- Brisbane look good and, and back to their top four best. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Brisbane to win as well. That means we don't actually have too many points of difference this week, Tom. Only about four no, or something. No, I think it's... Uh, yeah, only yeah, four? It's only, does that, yeah, does that number is, sound familiar to you, Tom? Four points of difference? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to go all your way. <laughs> I'm going to be for mine and I'm going to have to... Oh, I already can see it. I've I seriously doubt it. it, but I tell you, one can dream. One can dream. Yeah. <laughs> And with that, we're going to wrap up for this week. Well, it's been it's been a different show, hasn't it, Tom? Yeah, we uh, need to thank our Lord and Saviour, Q Greenwood. Amen. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's been a weird one, let's say. But fun, <laughs> but fun. Hopefully everyone else enjoyed us there. Um, if you want to find more of our episodes, you can find us on Facebook, Spotify, Instagram, other places, Apple Podcasts, other places. Tom, stop me, please. <laughs> anyway, you can get your podcasts. We're on it. Great. Thank you very much, Tom. Have fun at the footy this weekend. Yes, very excited. Going to be good. We'll see you all next week. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Bye.